At the end of the day, a new mother is looking back at her day and she knows she works so hard. Like you work so hard when you have a newborn, but then you look back at your day and you kind of wonder, but like, what did I actually do all day? Like, what do I have to show for it? It's that monotonous work of constantly just changing diapers and feeding the baby and doing it all over again. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to episode 60 of the Happy Birthway Podcast. You are finally getting your part two puppy episode. Life has been crazy. I know, I don't have to tell you. Was my life ever not crazy? It's embarrassing sometimes. I think, like, why is there always so much drama? But to add more drama to the mix of taking care of 10 dogs right now in my house, I broke my heel spur. Apparently, that's a thing. I didn't know I had a heel spur. And Google it if you want to know what it means to crack a heel spur off. It's pretty rare. Uh, No surprise that if somebody's going to do something rare, then it's going to be me. (laughs) Anyway, um, so it's been doubly crazy. And... I wanted to just go back from the beginning right after Honey's puppies were born because I do think I left off where she gave birth um, to her puppies. So I am surprised that nobody asked me this. I don't think a single person did. And when I went back to listen to episode 58, which was about Honey's birth, um, I needed to remind myself, like, where did I leave off? I realized that I told you that the ultrasound was I was told I'm mean, not not the ultrasound the x-ray I was told was going to have 10 to 12 puppies and um, I told you that we only had eight boys and one girl and that amounted to nine puppies so I'm actually surprised that no one picked up on that hello guys come on listen more carefully but I'm surprised that no one picked up on that since if there were only nine puppies born we would be concerned because they did say at least 10 puppies and that would mean something called a labor dystocia in medical terms which is um you know the labor being prolonged or stopping um we actually use that phrase sometimes in you know maternity in wear practice so Actually, there was a 10th puppy that was born, sadly. um, It was born not alive already and looked like it had been lost for quite a while before it even arrived. It was a growth-restricted puppy, so it was, like, much smaller than the rest of them, very, you know, visibly smaller. And so, yes, unfortunately, we, um, you know, did deliver one stillborn puppy. And it's always sad, you know, I mean... Dogs have large litters and a lot of different animals do because not all of their animals make it. And I do feel like better that it was this way than had this puppy been born alive and, you know, we'd have had some hope. Um, So that did happen. I think it was also another boy. So I think it was nine boys total that she had in her. So for the first three weeks of their life, um, firstly, 
the puppies are deaf and blind when they're born. I think that lasts two weeks, not three weeks. It's really interesting. Their eyes are shut tight and they are deaf that I read. And dogs have a very, very, very strong sense of smell. Um, And we know that already. And puppies are actually, that's how they survive, off of their super strong sense of smell. And I guess they just by default have to develop that sense of smell really strongly because they're not using their sense of sight and hearing. And every time that honey would come anywhere near them, they were would like they all knew exactly where to go. And they were kind of like it was a cute, you know, waddle swim. They were not putting bearing any weight on their paws. You know, they were kind of like swimming on the ground toward her. It was very cute. And, um, you know, as soon as she got anywhere near them, they knew. It was very interesting. They knew. Honey has 10 nipples. We had nine dogs, so we have enough of her nipples. But um, her when the dogs are really little, you know, she has to lay down. And um, the lower part of her nipples, it was kind of hard to get the dogs latched on. And if we would get them latched on, they would fall off. In the beginning, I was kind of anxious with uh, making sure that they didn't get squashed and everything. So as the puppies got a little bit older and I knew which ones were more, you know, were stronger and bigger and could hold their own, um, I would try to latch those on the lower part of, you know, her lower nipples, like if she laid down the ones that were closer to the ground. And it was a lot of work with the nursing. You know, we could just allow survival of the fittest if there was no human intervention, then I have no doubt that probably one or two puppies would not have made it. Um, But right from the get-go, I weighed the puppies twice a day and, you know, in gram weight because they're born under one pound. Now the puppies are six weeks old. They are uh, between 10 and 11 pounds each. So they have gotten huge, but, um, and they grow really fast. But, you know, I weigh them in grams in the beginning because that is a smaller unit of measurement and we were able to have more insight as to who was gaining, um, who was gaining not as much and who was doing really well where like we could kind of, you know, focus our attention off of them and more onto the other puppies. Um, So I did have some puppy colostrum. I did have some puppy formula and I did hand feed uh, some of the puppies through a cute little bottle thing that attaches to a syringe and the whole thing is gross. I ended up buying baby bottles because actually they took those better, the cheapest ones that they sold. But, um, you know, I did. I did hand feed some of them. And it's interesting because a a lot of the, you know, we all have our biases in birth. I will always, always say that, you know, that this is what my entire perspective and philosophy is around obstetrics. And when you take the people that have this bias about, you know, natural birth and and just really leaving things to be on its own as much as possible, there's a lot of value to that. There's a lot of value to knowing when to intervene and when not to. You know, that is, I think, the biggest that that's the the hardest art for us to learn, um, and it evolves with science. Feel seeing where we can leave be and allow the body to do what it's supposed to do and allow the process to happen how it's meant to happen and where we intervene. And you know, the natural birth movement often uses animals as an example for for basing their 
uh, beliefs off of that, you know, animals do this all the time, right? Yeah, but animals don't necessarily have good outcomes. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the best outcomes possible. Um, And so I don't know if, you know, how the puppies would have done if I wouldn't have intervened here and there. But there were several puppies that I did give some colostrum to. I did give some formula to because they were of the smaller ones and they were having a hard time, you know, fighting off their older, bigger siblings. So I it was just a lesson for me where, you know, we can't use animals as a basis for this because it's survival of the fittest if they're out in the wild um and so did i over intervene i don't know they're all doing phenomenal right now so however it is or it isn't they're doing great Um, but that was just an interesting insight that i had as i was caring for these cute little puppies so the first three weeks of their lives are really easy. It's gross, but their mother cleans them. They cannot pee or poop on their own. The mother has to stimulate them, which means that she has to lick their genitals. I know it sounds gross, but that's what she has to do. And um, that's the only way that they can pee or poop, and she eats their poop. I know it's gross. Again, we can't compare humans to animals. You know, sometimes people do things like uh, eat their placenta. I know it's controversial. I'm not getting into the you know, the benefits and risks and all of that. But I will say, I don't, I don't subscribe to the usage of what all mammals do that. First of all, that's not true. Um, And second of all, like, so animals do a lot of other things that humans don't. So, you know, it's not, it's not a great, it's not a great basis to use for doing these practices. Um, But that's veering off topic. Um, you know, so yeah, you know, we don't eat our children's pee and poop, but actually the reason why mother dogs do that and probably many other mammals is because, um, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, they want to protect their offspring. They have that literal, it's like literally instinctual, like it's, it's a reflex. I, I, that's how I see it. It's reflexive. Um, there are other ways that she did that, but they want to cover up their tracks. So they consume uh, the waste products of their young so that there are no predators that would smell them and discover their offspring. If you have been struggling with nausea and vomiting from your pregnancy, Emiterm might be the answer for you. Emiterm is a safe and effective anti-nausea wristband that prevents and relieves nausea and vomiting induced by pregnancy or motion, such as car and boat rides. It releases a low-frequency pulse that travels through the body's nervous system to the part of the brain which controls the stomach. This interrupts the nausea signal pathways. Emiterm is FDA-cleared and designed to put you in control when you need drug-free therapy with no worries about potential side effects. Users can choose from five levels of intensity to achieve the best effect. The unique wristband design holds the device in place and makes it easy to put on and take off. It is FSA and HSA eligible, comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and a one-year warranty. Go to emeterm.com, that's E-M-E-T-E-R-M.com and use code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 20% off of your purchase. You can find the link in the episode show notes. 
Having a fussy, nonstop crying baby can take all the joy out of motherhood. Is it gas? Is it constipation? Is it colic? It's hard to know, but there is a solution for all of those. Happy Tummy is a waistband that comes with an herbal pouch. When you microwave the pouch and apply the waistband to your fussy baby, your baby is instantly soothed. That's thanks to natural formulation of herbs, including flaxseed, chamomile, lemongrass, peppermint, spearmint, and lavender. Happy Tummy is all natural, no drugs or drops. And not only does it quickly soothe your baby, but it smells terrific. Happy Tummy also has adult-sized waistbands, which mothers love for cramps, stomach aches, and back aches. Use my code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off your whole order on happytummy.com. That's H-A-P-P-I-T-U-M-M-I.com. Code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off. Every time the puppies cried in the first the first few days especially, Honey would get very alert and she would run right over to their pen. Um, it's a little hard because she's a, a house dog. She lives with us in our house. There are some breeders that have kennels where the dogs don't live in the house. They live in like a separate, you know, housing complex, kennel complex, whatever, with a bunch of other dogs. Um, and so that's who they spend their time with. But because she was used to being with us, you actually like saw the conflict in her where she wanted to be with us, but then in the other room, the puppies were crying. So like she would run over there and then she would take care of them, lick them, do whatever, and then come back to us in the other room. And um, we, you know, like hang out with us, but then she would hear a puppy crying and like she was barely in the room with us for a few seconds and like she would turn right back around. It was like reflexive. Like anytime a little puppy whined, she would literally just like turn around and go back to them. Um, the first like two, three days, she was also a little bit confused. It's her first time being a mother. And she would stand around the whelping pen where she gave birth, where all her pups were. And she would like start whining herself every time they cried. And I would be like, okay, honey, this is what you do. And I would like lead her into the pen, lay her down and put the puppies on her to feed. So um, it, it's just cute. Like she was learning how to be a mother as well. And again, with the breastfeeding that, you know, well, breast, I don't know what they call it with the nursing that she did. Um, I really sat there very frequently to make sure that the puppies had a good feed. And I helped her with positioning because sometimes she didn't get it. She just like stood on, you know, she was like standing on all fours and like these tiny squashed little puppies would try to like get up to her nipples and they couldn't reach or they could just reach the last, like the lower part of her nipples. And um, I, I would like lay her down, spread her out, get her on her back as much as possible and latch each puppy on and really watch them feed. So that was a lot of my work in the beginning. It was also very hectic because of all the yamim tovim. And there were a lot of people in and out. The first day or two after she gave birth, I really was so excited to share the joy of seeing the puppies with everyone. But of course, we knew we had to keep visitors to a minimum. But I made the mistake even of allowing like one or two people in um, who she already was familiar with and knew. Um, just to look at the puppies, not touch them. And even then she got really anxious. She went digging um, back to, you know, digging under our porch. And I read that that is a sign that the mother feels unsafe where her puppies are. She feels that they're threatened in some way and she's, you know, digging a new place for them. So after I realized that she was doing that, we kind of, um, you know, limited visitors and we didn't really let people in the house for a little bit of time. But then like a week or two, 
in she became much uh, more relaxed about it. And eventually by week three, we started to allow people to hold the puppies slowly adjusting and watching to make sure that she was okay with it. Let me tell you, one of the most time-consuming, crazy things after her birth that we had to deal with was her bathroom habits. I mean, I'm sorry, guys, this is the Happy Birthway podcast where we talk about all of this stuff. So I'm going to have to talk about her habits, not in depth, okay, don't worry, but oh, the diarrhea and oh my gosh. And she was just going everywhere because normally we have her on a schedule. Like she she has a scheduled meal and we take her out a little bit after that. And dogs are really good with their bowel habits and all of that. If they're regulated, like they go to the bathroom like two, like 30 minutes after they feed. And she has to eat so much more when she's nursing. We had to give her a cup extra per puppy per day. So we're talking about her eating like three or four cups usually before pregnancy. And now we're talking about nine cups for, you know, puppy cups plus another like four, three or four cups of her regular uh, portion. All right. So we're talking about like she has to eat 12 to 13 cups of food. And um, you have to just continuously feed a nursing, a lactating dog. Whereas if it's, um, you know, when she's not in the pregnant or lactating state, then we feed her schedule twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, and her bowel habits are in check. Anyway, needless to say, she was pooping everywhere and it was diarrhea. Oh my gosh. It was insane. So in terms of puppy care, yes, we weighed them frequently, but she did a lot, most of the care. Um, and so the major thing was me just making sure that all the puppies latched on and that they got good feeds and timing the feeds, making sure that she had access to them and she was feeding them. Also making sure that she didn't get mastitis. Mastitis is a big thing among lactating dogs, um, which is mastitis in humans is a breast infection. So we, you know, had to make sure that that was okay. She had discharge, not as much as humans do, but, you know, the postpartum lochia, we call it, that bleeding. So she had some of that. It was very messy, okay? Very messy. But nothing, no mess of that could have prepared me for the mess that I'm dealing with right now with nine puppies that are eating four times a day, mostly dog food, and um, they're weaning really well right now. Oh my gosh. Okay, she's not cleaning them up anymore. She's not eating their poop anymore. And I cannot even describe to you, I'm just, I'm going to leave it up to your imagination. But I will tell you that my life consists of the monotonous cycle of wash the next load of laundry of linen because, you know, they're in a pen and we have pads for them that we're training them where to eliminate, where to go to the bathroom. They're not good at it by any um, means yet, but they are getting better at knowing where to go to the bathroom. But there's like tons of laundry and towels and, you know, a roll of paper towels is not going to do it for the cleanup job that we have right now. Um, and then like just swiffering, you know, we got like a larger pen for the puppies to run around. They have two separate pens. So I put them in one while I clean up the other. It's just been wild. And um, it, it's, 
it's like monotonous, you know, it's that monotonous work of postpartum where almost like at the end of the day, a new mother is looking back at her day and she knows she works so hard. Like you work so hard when you have a newborn, but then you look back at your day and you kind of wonder, but like, what did I actually do all day? Like, what do I have to show for it? Yeah, I kept the newborn alive, you know, but it's that monotonous work of constantly just changing diapers and feeding the baby and doing it all over again and maybe grabbing a bite somewhere in the middle of it and a shower. You are doing a lot of work if you are in that stage or approaching that stage or just in the stage of raising babies and toddlers. The work is just cyclical. It's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You don't actually have results to show for it except for children that you kept alive. So kudos to you. Just remember, there's an, a great book by, the author is Naomi Stadlin. My midwife actually was one that recommended it to me. And the title is, What Mothers Do, Especially When It Looks Like Nothing. And that title just always stuck with me because that's what it is. Like mothers and parents, all parents are so busy and sometimes it's so thankless because at the end of the day, you just look back and look at like, what do I have to show for all of the work that I did? So stay strong. Every time I am cleaning up after the puppies all over again, that comes to my mind. Um, we are we have started training them around four weeks old to, well, let's go back a little bit, okay? At Between three and four weeks, right after Sokis ended, um, I wasn't going to add in any additional changes and crazy things to our lives because it was really hectic. And, you know, the Yom Tovim people in and out, it did really make things more hectic. I thought it was going to be great that I was going to be home. But at the same time, like just people coming in and out disrupted routines a lot. And Honey kind of just wanted to be with people. She didn't, you know, she wasn't as motivated to be with her puppies. So we had to make sure to spend all the time in the room with the puppies so that she would be motivated to actually stay there in their room and uh, nurse them, you know, and like she would see us in the sukkah and she did not want to be with her puppies. She wanted to be with us in the sukkah. And you saw clearly she was conflicted because a puppy would cry and she like wouldn't know where to go. She was like torn. And um, once Sukkis ended, we bought puppy food um, and we started the weaning process with them. So in the beginning, uh, between three and four weeks is the time when you actually start to wean uh, puppies. And that's for several reasons. First of all, as they're growing, the mother dog, she cannot sustain them anymore on her own. And she starts to lose weight. You actually see it in her physique. And um, after being pregnant, like it really looks disturbing because she starts to really get um, skinny. She cannot support all of their nutritional needs anymore at this point independently. That's a B, they start to get teeth. And that means that they're going to be able to start to actually chew food. And it also means that the mother gets uncomfortable if they try to bite her. And so she automatically just doesn't want to nurse them herself. The beginning first like two weeks of feeding the puppies puppy food is a lot of work. You have to soak it really, 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 really well. You have to soak the food really well. And when you're keeping kosher and you're doing all of this, just keep in mind like I do not have a trafe dog food dishwasher and I had to buy all trafe 
dog feeding bowls and the utensils in order to actually like process the puppy food the way they're supposed to. It's called um, GR. Oh, I forgot what the I forgot what the word is. I'm sure it's going to come to me. But, um, you know, it's puppy mush that you're making. You're literally like mashing it with tons of water. And the food that we feed the puppies is kosher. There's no treif in it. There's no basar v'chalav in it. And there's only um, chicken in it. But, uh, you know, obviously it's not fit for use on our regular utensils. And also most of the puppy mush recipes also call for adding in goat's milk. Um, we couldn't do that because that's basar v'chalav. So it just made things a little bit more complicated in terms of like we had to give them the goat's milk separate afterward. Oh, so it was it was crazy. And um, mashing the food with like a blender. First I tried, I was like, I'm going to get away with this. It's just two weeks. I'm not going to buy a whole blender situation to blend their food and make it so mushy. But then I used a fork and it took forever. So we caved and we bought an immersion blender and we bought like a bunch of containers to do the whole, oh my gosh. So, you know, and like figuring out where to keep them and then washing them in the bathroom. It's a lot. And this is still ongoing, but we don't have to process their puppy mush as much anymore. Um, so in the beginning it was like super, super like baby food runny and, um, they took to it right away though. They loved it right away. And when they were finished, you know, honey, we would let honey in to, we would separate her from them when they were eating the puppy mush because otherwise she would totally gobble up their food right away. She actually likes the taste of the puppy food better than her food. And, um, honey would go in and she would clean them all up. So that was great. But like, now they're getting bigger. We don't have to mash all of the food anymore. Um, we do still make it wet. Starting next week, we're going to kind of transition and make it less and less wet. Um, they're, several of them are definitely capable of eating dry food because they sneak out of their pen sometimes. They figure out a bunch of different ways of getting out. And um, we need like really tight security measures for these puppies. Like they are so smart. Do not underestimate nine dogs that are collaborating in breaking free of their pen. They figured out, I kid you not, they figured out how to open the little latch on their pen that I got. And I watched them do it in real time. Um, and uh, they snuck out to Honey's food and showed us very clearly that some of them, uh, the troublemaker ones, know how to eat solid dog food very well but by the time they're eight weeks old um which will be november 20th and which they're going to be going to their forever families um, they will be able to be eating dry food they'll be eating three to four times a day and um, that's going to phase out by the time they're a year old maybe even like seven months old i don't remember the exact schedule dogs can be eating just twice a day once in the morning once in the evening and it helps with all of the bowel habits and all of that stuff it's really important for dogs to drink a lot um, but the feeding, you can just divide that way. And of course, you know, treats are nice. Before we continue, I wanted to let you know about a revolutionary diaper brand called Diaper, D-Y-P-E-R. These eco-friendly diapers are made with viscose from bamboo, so they're soft on your baby's skin while still being extra absorbent to handle your baby's biggest accidents. Diaper wants to pass on the savings directly to you by cutting out the middleman. They ship your diapers to you for a low, predictable price with no extras or gotchas. Set your subscription and let them deliver the exact quantity you need. If you need more, they'll deliver them promptly with their exclusive SOS service. If you need less, send them 
back with a prepaid label. You can precisely manage your deliveries using their website or their mobile app. One of the products that I think is really cool is their diaper sense. It's a small sensor that you attach to your baby's diaper and it continuously monitors the temperature and humidity surrounding their skin. It will help you optimize your diaper changes, reduce overall diaper use, and may help reduce instances of skin rash due to prolonged exposure to moisture. All you do is snap it to the outside of the diaper and connect it to diapers app. It will notify you when number one or number two happens. Subscribe through the link in my show notes and you will get a free bonus diaper bag just for trying them out. You can cancel any time with no obligation, but still keep the bag. Kiwi Co. Crates are a monthly subscription of crates that come filled with age-appropriate STEAM projects for kids, from toddlers to teenagers and even adults. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. Every crate explores a different theme designed to spark creativity, thinking, and learning. All projects, inspiration, and activities are created by a team of product designers in-house and rigorously tested by kids. KiwiCo offers all different product lines spanning a variety of interests and age ranges. Panda Crate is for babies from 0 to 24 months. Each crate helps babies learn by doing what they do best, playing, exploring, and most importantly, interacting with the people in their lives. Crates arrive every other month and are filled with two months worth of content. So if you're trying to figure out what a developmentally appropriate way to interact with your baby is, Panda Crates will take the guesswork out. For an exclusive 30% off discount on your first month subscription, go to kiwico.com, that's K-I-W-I-C-O.com, and enter code LEARN30 at checkout. That's kiwico.com, code LEARN30 at checkout. I also got the puppies a bunch of puppy toys. And the reason why that's so important, well, first of all, socialization, right? We want to send a puppy home to the owner with uh, knowing how to play with toys and things like that. And we have tons of visitors all the time. So tons of humans playing with the puppies. They are used to being held. And this is something that you shouldn't take for granted because dogs that are not exposed to a lot of humans, they their nervous systems develop, develop differently. And they come home, they're not able to, you know... Um, they're they're not they're, they may be more anxious around people and they may not be as easygoing um, we're also really careful to touch their tail their paws every part of their body um, because especially dogs tend to be a little bit more sensitive with their paws and with their tail so we're really really mindful of touching them everywhere so that they are not anxious their nervous systems right now before the before the age of eight weeks um, their nervous systems are extremely impressionable and whatever you expose them to that's going to be normal to them so like we expose them to loud noises um i there's a piano in the same room as where they stay and they hear that piano all the time and i'm actually convinced they didn't ask them but i'm convinced that honey's breeders um, had a piano in her room too when she was a puppy because every time i play piano she runs right over and she sits right next to me she loves it um, but you know we expose them to hearing sirens and like you'll hear commonly that dogs are afraid of thunder uh, because it, and fireworks, but if you expose them at this young age to this, um, and you you know continue the exposure, it'll be very normal to them. Um, and it's amazing how so early on 
you can set the trajectory of how a dog is going to be temperament wise. Of course, it also depends on the breed, which golden retrievers are like one of the best breeds. Of course, I'm going to plug, you know, (laughs) golden retrievers that I decided to breed that breed. But um, truly, they are a very easygoing, adjustable breed. And plus, given that we're socializing them and exposing them to so many things, you know, they are, we, we hope to send a really, really, really well-adjusted, happy, easy-to-train pup to um, each family. And so far, we have, uh, most of them are spoken for. We have two puppies uh, that are not yet spoken for. So, you know, if anyone is interested, you can go on honeysgoldenpups.com to find out more information about it. But we're, we're, it's just wonderful meeting the families that these pups are going home to, each one so individual and we feel like we're giving a part of our heart, our love. We love it when the families come to visit us. And, you know, we've had families drive three hours um, to come to pick out their puppy to bond with them. And it's really beautiful to see. And we, you know, send them updates. So I totally veered off track because I, I know I, I'm going to go back to where I got them a bunch of toys. We're also training them how to not bite and it's a very normal thing for puppies to chew on things on everything they can get their teeth on and um that includes human fingers and feet and socks and clothes so they are teething and they are babies so they're going to do this and one of the um a great way to teach them not to is to introduce them to their special puppy toys and to constantly be shoving those puppy toys into their mouth every time that they try to sink their teeth into anything that they're not supposed to. And whenever I have visitors um, and kids playing with the puppies, I explain to them that they should do that. Their teeth are really cute. They're, they're tiny. I mean, now they're getting bigger, but their teeth are really cute and little. So I People think that it's cute when they teeth on their finger, but I am very emphatic to make sure that the kids know and that everybody knows that here's a toy, take the toy and shove it into the puppy's mouth. And each of them is going to be going home with the, um, you know, with one of those toys so that they can have that sense of familiarity. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're working a lot on all of these different habits. We're teaching them how to pee and poop on special pads. So like wee wee pads, so that that's, you know, the first step in the potty training awareness. And when their owners take them home, they can continue on with that process until they have them peeing and pooping outside. And um, that really entails a lot of cleaning, a lot of cleaning, because you have to teach them that they don't like sitting around in their pee and poop. So that means the second that we spot or smell anything, and yes, I'm, I'm not going to deny it, at times our room where they are in smells like a farm, an indoor farm. It's really, really nasty, um, but I know it's temporary, so I'm tolerating it for the time being. Um, but, you know, we the minute we see anything, we change everything out. And I've swiffered today like I don't know four or five times already I've swiffered that floor with my broken heel spur um it's quite quite a a feat but I've, I've done it so it's just a lot of cleaning and washing because they start to chew on the disposable pee pad so we can't use those you know it it's a lot it's a lot but we are loving it um the puppies are beyond adorable um i actually gave a few of them a bath yesterday and uh we had to wait because puppies cannot regulate their temperatures 
very well in the beginning. So you don't want to put them at risk of getting too cold. And, um, you know, it's not like humans. It takes much faster to bathe humans because humans don't have fur on them. So imagine taking like a super, super furry, fat sweater and washing it by hand with the soap and getting all of the soap in and getting it all soaped up and then washing out all of that soap. All the meanwhile, that sweater is wriggling and trying to escape out of your hands. Um, yeah, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's an experience. Um, and, you know, thankfully those two or three puppies are clean. They probably stepped in poop a bunch of other times again and we have to wipe wipe them off with that but it's a lot so as you can hear the it, the craziness is comes a little bit later the first few weeks having puppies is easier now is when it's getting crazy and um, some of them are going home on November 20th we do have at least two families right now where we're they're extending the puppy stay in our house um, we do offer you know an extra four weeks past the eight week mark for families who have bought a puppy in order to give them time if let's say they're going on vacation or moving or something like that. So we're going to have at least two puppies past November 20th um, together with us. But they are going to be going home in uh, like one and a half weeks, which is crazy. And I'm going to miss them, but I'm not going to miss the giant mess. And I've had people asking me, you know, about Honey, like how is she going to feel when the puppies go? And after the weaning process, they stop the maternal instincts um, that they have. They they stop having them toward the puppies. So the overprotectiveness and all of that kind of goes away. Um, and by the time they're two years old, they don't even remember that they're family. Um, and that's how inbreeding can happen, where like a father and a daughter can, you know, breed, which is terrible, obviously. But they're animals. So it's not going to be as hard for Honey. You know, we're her humans. She loves us. These puppies, she's only now starting to play with them a little bit. Until now, I can't, I, she's, you know, viewed herself as the mother. So it's interesting to see the role change. But now she's weaning them and they're satisfied from eating their puppy food. They're not running to her at every single second to try to nurse. They still are, you know, nursing a little bit, but not as much. And you see them, you see her rolling around with them. It's very cute. So, um, you know, when they go home, it's more the puppy that has the transition. Um, the puppy is leaving everything that puppy knew in its life until now. But again, hopefully we have raised puppies that are flexible and well-adjusted. And after a few days, you know, of really giving them extra TLC, the puppies adjust pretty well. And they love their new family. It's like they never had another one. So that's really more of what the adjustment is um, when the puppies go to their forever homes and you know we hope to keep up with the their new owners and support them through everything like we are there for them we're not just you know saying goodbye we hope we can get pictures obviously that's not part of the sales agreement but it would be nice and you know we we love what we do with this and I love what I love the training aspect of dogs it's amazing how obedient they can be especially honey's breed and it's amazing how smart they are and they are much more disciplined than children in certain ways so you know it's it's this prime time where you can really instill good habits into this dog for the rest of its life so that's how it's going with the puppies um I I'm going to 
keep you updated if there are any other updates or anything like that with them. It's delicious. It's adorable. It's cute. It's a lot of fur all over the house. And in my lint trap in the dryer, it's like a lot of fur. I'm so happy. I just recently got my vents cleaned. And um, yeah, I am still thinking about some of the things that I told you about in the Pitocin episode, the last episode. Um, I put up a question box on Instagram and I had a lot of great additional questions that elicited even more information. So I'm going to kind of try to go through some of those questions and add some more things about Pitocin and labor before we go on to Pitocin postpartum. Um, And if you have any questions, please, you know the number to call 203-759-8639. As I say in obstetrics, no question is a dumb question. And chances are, if you have a question... A hundred other people have the same question. I was always the one that asks the questions and then I get all of the validating looks from everyone else and grateful that I have a mouth and I'm opening it and asking the question. (laughs) So usually a lot of other people have the same question. So call that number 203-759-8639. I'm so happy to finally be getting in the swing of things And um, soon enough, as the puppies start to transition to their new homes, I will have even more time on my hands to bring this podcast to the next level. See you guys soon. Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Yolwedded Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.